everybody. Welcome to Ducks Watch Together. I'm Josh. I'm Kylie. And on today's episode, we talk about comeback movies. Part two. Kylie's picks. Kylie's picks. Kylie's very well thought out, excellent, never, never, (laughs) no hesitation picks. Kylie's one pick that I knew she was going to pick as soon as we decided this category and uh, one kind of surprise pick. Well, you know, Josh, I was going down. Well, I don't, <laughs> I think both of them should be clear based on the journey that I proposed to you nearly two months ago. And then I didn't fulfill until this month. <laughs> well, that journey is complete and I am excited to go on it here with you as well. Listeners, if you, oh, go ahead. I think I, I think, I think I've gone full circle. I think I truly, I think I got to the bottom of this. I'm really glad. I'm excited to dive into what the oeuvre of Ben Affleck has meant to you. Um, Listeners, if you want to listen to part one of this conversation, uh, you can find it in the last episode where we talk about uh, Marlena Marlena Dietrich's comeback film of Destry Rides Again and Robert Downey Jr.'s comeback film of Zodiac in that conversation. But now on with this show. So my picks, of course, uh, without any doubt, was, of course, my favorite human of all time, Ben Affleck. Oh, wait, what? I can't can't make that statement. No, Kylie, Kylie, no. What? (laughs) Your favorite human of all time. We we were so close. You you were so close to naming him. (laughs) It's Keanu Reeves. Yes, yes. Um. So we'll be talking about uh, John Wick and Keanu Reeves kind of comeback. Um, But first, we'll actually be talking about the career return of one Mr. Ben Affleck. One Mr. Ben Affleck. Mr. Ben Affleck in The Town from 2010, a film that I had not seen uh, until now. However, it had a very iconic trailer that I remember seeing. However, I didn't know any of the people and I didn't know the context that this was the comeback film for Ben Affleck as I didn't have context for who he was as a human. Um, The nuns? Is it the nuns that are iconic? Yeah. Okay. That trailer, the trailer is the nun, uh, is part, is like the beginning of the nun heist. And Mm -hmm. I remember like, that was just a very like, oh, you know, the town, the nun bake cropping movie. (laughs) What a silly sentence. What a silly sentence. The nun heist. It worked. This movie makes so much money. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Okay. So I will let everyone know. I do not have uh, much context for Ben Affleck's career prior to um, the, like the 2010s, to be honest. I do know that in the 90s, he is in some, he is in some movies and that's kind of where his career gets started. And I know that um, one of his big, his biggest thing was uh, that he was the writer and also a co-star of Goodwill Hunting and that he and his friend Ben, or not Ben Affleck, (laughs) he and his friend Matt Damon had won an Oscar for it. but as far as I knew what his career was after that, it's kind of just, I know that it's more of like a slog of bad movies. Um, I know that like the joke, there's a lot of jokes of his career with like 
reindeer games and like Jajili that the movie he did with Jennifer Lawrence or not Jennifer mm-hmm. Lawrence, Jennifer Lopez. Lopez. Um, and there's a lot of Kevin Smith films in there. Um, and so like, it kind of felt like he, prior to the town, it kind of, it kind of seems to me that he had this one really big break. Um, and then after it slowly kind of just devolves into a career of an actor who might not have a ton of, who might not be the most talented person or the most engaging person to follow. But I think that, but when the town comes out, I think that that's where um, it's kind of a jumpstart for his acting career. But I think even more importantly, it's, it's really kind of like the stamp of his, of directing. And I think Mm -hmm. that people are, that's why he later goes on and he has the success of Argo and many other things. Um, Now the argument for is the town his comeback film versus is Gone Baby Gone his comeback film is that I think the town is actually more clearly like Ben Affleck coming into the fold. He's not in Gone Baby Gone. Um, And it's not, that wasn't a film that made a ton of money. It had a lot of critical reception. I think that one person in it got an Oscar nomination. So like it had some relevance. However, I think that the town was just much more of a commercial success. I would agree with that as well. I think that to add a little bit of context to Ben Affleck on my end as well, I'm more familiar with him in his earlier run and I kind of leave him in in his kind of later run a little bit. Um, The 90s, the late 90s in particular, um, is kind of where we see the real rise of Ben Affleck. And I think he kind of has a real flashpoint to that era. Like you said, with those Kevin Smith films and with Good Will Hunting, and it just becomes a big star. I mean, he's also in Armageddon, which is the biggest film of 1998. Yeah. Um, you know, um, his career reminds me a lot of John Travolta's mm-hmm. in this way of that, like, he's got this, um, really big boom period where he's in the zeitgeist, very iconic, connected to a time and place, and then goes away and then comes back as a more critically um, successful and accepted actor. But then in longevity, I'm curious to see if Ben Affleck tips back over into the non-relevant side of things as well. Um, Because like you said with Gone Baby Gone, I agree that Gone Baby Gone is not the comeback film because while I was aware of that movie, it wasn't really sold as a Ben Affleck production, whereas The Town was. Um, And that's just, that had him written all over it. And yeah, The Town leads directly to Argo, And then I think what's interesting is after Argo, you get Live by Night, which is a bomb. Um, And so a movie I haven't yet seen, I do want to, but a movie that I haven't yet seen is Live by Night. Um, And so I'm interested to see where his career goes, but definitely for the 2010s, we really see this rise again of Ben Affleck and that the fall period is really connected to a lot of his tabloid connections. It's connected to his relationships with Jennifer Lopez and Jennifer Gardner and how 
him dealing with his alcoholism. It becomes this huge public story, which still continues today. Um, and so, yeah, I think that it's his, his downfall is more an overexposure and his, his relationships. And he's able to come back as an artist in a whole new, wholly unique way for his career. And I think break himself away from Matt Damon a little bit, because Damon's pretty consistent through that whole time. Matt Damon is like, uh, okay, like this isn't an insult in any way. Like this is a genuine compliment from me. Is that like, I don't know, like Matt Damon feels like a like a like a nice like Honda Civic. Like it's very reliable. It's gonna get you there. It's very just it's very consistent with everything. And yeah. it feels like Ben Affleck, like it's a car that's a little bit run down, but when you get that thing to work, you're just like overjoyed. But there's because all- like you've been in the garage and you're like putting the engine together and you're tightening up the straps and you're like, yeah, this is gonna this is gonna hum good again someday. Yeah, and like yeah. and like someday sometimes you get it to start and you're like, ah, we're in for a ride. And then sometimes you can't get it to start. Um. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is a perfect analogy, Kylie. That's that's awesome. Which, like, I know that I, in the past and currently, have often mocked Matt Damon. (laughs) For being a baked potato, yes, of course. He just, like, sometimes, there there was a period where I thought he was kind of boring. I kind of still, he just, he does does similar things a lot of times. (laughs) Yes, yeah. There are moments where I'm like, he's not that bad. But like, when I think of like, when I, like, I, get, I, 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 I think that the movie that literally makes me think this is Invictus, where I'm just like, oh, it's just Matt Damon being like a piece of bread. Like, it's just not that interesting. And whenever I think of a Matt Damon performance, I'm like, oh, it's just gonna, it's gonna be something like a piece of bread. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Like, and sometimes you're in the mood for good bread. And sometimes you're like, I just, I don't need the carbs. Yeah, I just, I keep, I keep comparing him to other things rather than acknowledging him as a person. And as a person, he seems fine. He seems fine. Yeah. He's like a very consistent, bankable actor. And I'm happy for him. He just bores me sometimes. I feel like... In some ways, if Matt Damon continues his career in this path, he's going to take the mantle from Tom Hanks of just being like America's like dad. You're like, oh, look at you. You're still around. Good job, buddy. Over my dead body. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because Tom Hanks will become America's granddad. It'll be okay. I don't even think it's necessarily Matt Damon's performances. I think it's just like the movies he's in. Yeah. But anyways, we're not here to talk about Matt Damon. No, we're here to talk about the more interesting of the pair. The, I don't know, hot mess of a human known as Ben Affleck. So back in, uh, I think it was January. Back in January, I watched a film called Shutter Island a book that I have read 
And I was like, huh, what else? as I was watching the movie, because the movie's kind of some garbage, um, <laughs> I, was, I started, I, I, I wanted to be like, did this guy ever write anything else? Because I remember the book being like, kind of fun. But um, I looked at his thing and he had made, he had written Gone Baby Gone and he writ, wrote Live By Night. Both of which are movies that are in the middle of their, um, middle of a series. They are not the beginning books of a series. They're two books that are right in the middle. And I was like, Ben Affleck, why did you make these movies? And what are you so doing? I, what? I'm like, what are you doing, Ben? It's, yeah. Anyways, so I was like, I'm going to watch all the Ben Affleck movies because I knew I had seen Gone Baby Gone before. And I was like, I like that movie. It worked. I haven't seen Live By Night, but I hear that doesn't work. And I needed to figure out why. And here's the conclusion I've come to. Okay. I think that Ben Affleck... <laughs> I think that Ben Affleck wants to be... Um, wants to have a lot more confidence and he tries to portray a lot of confidence but after watching all of his movies in quick succession I think that he is a very insecure person about everything that he does and he is just trying so hard for people to like him and that's why that's what his career has been from this yeah. forward yeah I would agree 100% I think that even in the town that that's I think that his character in the town, and we should talk about the town a little bit. Okay. Uh, I watched this movie weeks ago and I forget it, but we're going to do it. Okay. So this is what I was thinking too, because I had watched the town earlier in quarantine. Mm -hmm. um, I was just like, oh, it's on something or other streaming. Um, I own it. And also like, sure, let's just remind myself of the town. And then I was like, cool. I don't need to rewatch the town for the this podcast because I've watched it within the last six to nine months. And then I started thinking about it and I was like, nope, I need to rewatch the town. I don't remember what happens in the town. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good watch and it's a good time. And I'm having like, when I'm exploring it, um, I'm having fun, but like overall, like it doesn't stick in my mind as well as some other films do. Um, yeah. And yeah. I, I do, I do, I did very much enjoy it. And I enjoyed the characters and I enjoyed the performances and I enjoyed the action and like there was tension and all of that good stuff. But then now that I'm kind of looking back, like what is the real takeaway of the town? And I think that the real takeaway is that you need to watch the town and then immediately talk about it. Otherwise it's all gone. <laughs> um. I think that while I agree with you that The Town is a well-made movie, it's a really fun blockbuster. Um, I like the performances in there. I struggle with the characters. Um, I just struggle in like, who the heck am I supposed to root for in this movie? Is it Rebecca Hall? Because I'm pretty sure I'm rooting for Rebecca Hall to be involved with none of these dumb men ever again. I'm pretty sure that is what I'm rooting for in this movie, but that's not what I'm supposed to be rooting for. And I just, that is my, my struggle with the town. I think it's a very well-made movie. I just, when I'm watching it, I'm, I just struggle to connect to the characters being presented. 
I think that um, I think that Ben Affleck is interested in the ambiguity of non non traditional moralistic characters uh, or non. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that made sense, but I think that he's interested in exploring people who are not the tradition, who are not um, what we consider moral people. I think that he right, and I think that he likes to create that kind of like question. And I think it's something that's done a lot better on a smaller scale in Gone Baby Gone, which mm-hmm. this, which is probably one of like the craziest like moralistic thought processes that I um, went through when I first watched it. Uh, and I think that he wants to cr- present that in the town. And I think that he fails on a very, I, I think that he fails at it. Um, I don't, when I when I'm watching this film, I am halfway rooting for Ben Affleck's character. Uh, like you said, I am more rooting for Rebecca Hall's character. Uh, Jeremy Renner terrifies me in this. Terrifying, film. terrifying. And I I never I never root for him. Um, I think that no. I think that one's a lot more clear. But I'm also not rooting for John Hamm. And I think that I was in the middle of this movie and. I remember I, I had to stop it and I had to text you that I was furious at the film um, <laughs> because of John Hamm's character. Um, and John Hamm plays, is he an FBI agent? He's something. Yes. He's an FBI agent who is trying to, uh, try, trying to stop these bank robbers. Um, and he goes about it in a way that makes that makes law enforcement look very um, shady and untrustworthy. And mm-hmm. I, there was, I just was, as I was watching this, I was just like, folks, folks, let me give you some advice. If you are ever questioned by the police, if you are innocent, you need to get a lawyer. Lawyers are there to protect the innocent. Yeah. Like that is their purpose. Um, I kept, when I was watching this movie, and this might be an unfair comparison, but my brain kept comparing this movie to 2006's Inside Man. Um, So another late 2000s heist film. The unfair comparison is comparing Ben Affleck to Spike Lee, um, because like Spike is like a master of the genre of directing and Ben Affleck's doing his best. I'm like, really like Ben Affleck, but not a Spike Lee. Um, And so- Also, I think it's unfair to compare him to Denzel Washington. (laughs) Well, okay. I actually think that's more of a fair comparison because they're both like actors. They're both leading actors of a similar generation or a similar time period as well, but also very, very fair. Well. One of them is a master at the craft and one of them was in Jersey Girl. Um, so the reason I keep comparing to Inside Man is Inside Man is also a heist film and it is also a film that is trying to take on the idea of class structure and why a person would commit a heist. And I think that when you're presenting heist films, not even just these two heist films, but heist films in general, 
I think you need to, for the film to work on an extremely successful level, you need to know not only why your person is committing the heist, but you need to kind of be on board with why they're doing it as well. You know, I think that in some ways, the the old trope that, that Ben Affleck uses is, I'm doing one final heist to get out of my sad life is a little played out by 2010, but also I just, I find it like to continue to do the criminal act to get out of doing the criminal act is just a long walk. It's just, I mean, it, it's almost like, and again, to just to, to maybe another unfair comparison, but to something like Ocean's Eleven, where like, Danny Ocean is doing this whole heist not for any moralistic reasons, but because this guy took his wife. Great, sure, fine. No one in here is saying anything moral other than this guy stole my wife I want to steal from his casino. Movie, let's go. And I think that that there's that that the town tries to straddle this area of we're doing fun heisty heists in nun outfits. And also we're trying to tell this morally complex story and it becomes neither Ocean's Eleven or Inside Man, but it just kind of exists in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That said, I like the heists. Man, the heists are fun. Um, all three heist sequences in, this, in these movies or in, in the town, sorry, um, are probably the best sequences of the movies. Um, they're, they're exciting, engaging, exhilarating. And I think that as a filmmaker, that's what Ben Affleck takes from here and puts into Argo. I mean, Argo is almost one complete breakout sequence just the entire movie and i think affleck understands that that's where he is successful as a director and you can really see that here in these three sequences yeah i think that i think that it would be interesting to see affleck write and direct a film or at least just direct a film that didn't have anything to do with crime in general mm -hmm. um, i think that his three films or his four films <laughs> um, are all dealing with crime in some capacity. I, I mean, like Argo's actually not a crime film. However, it had like, as you were saying, it's like a breakout sequence the whole time that it yeah. feels almost like a crime movie. Like we're trying to break yeah. out of prison. Um, yeah, absolutely. I would be interested to see him kind of go away from that. And I know that he and Matt Damon wrote a weird film together. <laughs> that they let Ridley Scott direct yeah um it's called The Last Duel and like it's I'm I'm pretty sure it like takes place in the olden times and I'm like are they gonna do accents because they shouldn't I think they are I think it's that's true I don't think this film should be made I think we should call I it. think it's my most exciting film of 2021 like I'm just that statement from Josh <laughs> <laughs> director who he finds so overrated who he has only said positive things about maybe two of his films <laughs> josh is really like eh. i'm so excited yeah. i'm so excited let's watch these three people who i have 
mixed to negative feelings about. You have mixed feelings about Matt Damon? Oh, no. Matt Damon's fine. Matt Damon's fine. Listen, choose your friends, though, Matt Damon. Choose your friends wisely. That's, that's, that's true. Um, yeah, I think... <laughs> I, I agree um, the the town the town really feels like a good time to watch. However, I don't think that there's as much substance as um, Ben Affleck was wanted it to have. And I think that a lot of that yeah. has to do with just the 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 structure as you were saying um and the cliches that he tends to fall on which is why i want him to kind of maybe try something that's not that's that's kind of left field and you you and i were talking about the way back and yeah it kind of feels like um him trying something new and i was like i don't know i I thought it felt more like gavin o'connor but as i was thinking about it i was like i can i can kind of see i don't really know how much influence ben affleck had with like that movie um i do definitely think that that movie is him maybe dealing with some personal things which i think Mm -hmm. that's always that's always a benefit and i actually like him in the way back i I do too i found that to be a pretty good film um yeah I, I do think that what Ben Affleck's career is in the future is something that might be a little bit interesting to follow. Um, I hope he gets his life together. Yeah, I but mean, I hope that I, for most people. I mean, yes, I agree with that as well. And I think the way back is is a good like checkpoint of like for Ben Affleck and where he's going to be. And I hope that he continues to go down that path. I agree. I don't really want to see him doing this crime genre anymore. I want to see him doing something that like a a good, like drama sports film. That was great. Like continue to like really dive in. I want to see him do these like personal stories. Like again, we talked about Gone Girl last episode because of David Fincher, but I think that's a good pivot for Affleck as well. We're like, let's lean into this Affleck persona a little bit and explore it, you know, and explore. I think in Gone Girl, in some ways, it's like explore what it means to be the Ben Affleck persona. And so I would hope he gets a little more reflexive for a little bit and before he can kind of maybe break out and, and almost have a secondary version of the town where he can come back to just being a fun star that we like to hang out with. And I don't think, I don't think that uh, the DC cinematic universe, uh, I, I don't think it did anything helpful for his, I don't like mental status or anything like that. I think that I, I, I think, and I personally don't, I didn't really love him in Justice League, but I didn't dislike him in Batman v Superman for what he, what he contributed to that character. That character is a little bit off just from the script and from uh, other things. However, like I didn't mind him, but again, it's, he's playing Batman. He's still in this crime centric um, thing. And so I I will say two things because um, I don't think you've seen the Snyder Cut yet. 
Um, I will say that I, when you watch the Snyder Cut, um, a film that I have zero reasons to defend, um, he, it feels more like the portrayal in BVS. Oh. And I, it's more consistent there. And I will say that Ben Affleck's performance as Batman has never really been any of my issues with the DCEU per se. And in fact, I think if there was a different director who was more interested in what old man Bruce Wayne was like and not just weird, sad Batman, um, I think you might actually be able to get a really interesting thing from Affleck in general. But I, but I, I agree that the DCEU is not where I want to see him using his time, energy, and talent. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Any other thoughts on Ben Affleck or the town? Josh. Yeah. I I consider myself to have <laughs> to have seen the uh, necessary Afflecks. However, is there an Affleck movie that I have to see, or several to complete the to complete the collection? I would say I think where you're missing is early Aflac and crash at like the the bottom Aflac. So Armageddon. Um, I would say that if there is um if an era Armageddon if you have it definitely is an Aflac to see. I would say pick one of the films that he's actually in with Kevin Smith because I think that is an important era to his career. And then go with Gili. Go with the bottom so you can experience when he was at the bottom. Gili, Pearl Harbor, or Reindeer Games? I, to, I always, for me, I think Gili is the, like, the, the actual, like, the bottom. bottom of that. But listen, Pearl Harbor is a mess. Um, and it is, but it's also Michael Bay. So I don't know if you want to sit through two Michael Bays um i wouldn't sit through reindeer ever so it was i did not enjoy it the first time so i think i need to see runner runner which is a film that no one has heard about i've seen seen (laughs) runner runner it's a poker movie kylie i saw it in theaters i was like ben affleck justin timberlake runner runner it is so uh ann and i we're watching some movie and that trailer comes up and it is a poker game. It is a poker thing with um, Justin yeah. Timberlake. And then he pops up in the middle of the trailer and Anne turns to me and went, whoa, Ben Affleck. And I was just like, nah, 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 nah. I don't know what that means. Yep. Yeah. Ben Affleck. Yep. <laughs> I I I don't I don't even know how he escaped my my lexicon but like I remember people were like he can't play Batman and so I was like I guess he can't play Batman. <laughs> I I mean I actually think you would enjoy I think if you enjoy Affleck's work <laughs> I don't think there's an Affleck movie that you wouldn't find that much joy in. Um that's probably yeah. I I don't I didn't hate Live by Night. I think it's just kind of boring. Um, it's probably his most stylized film, and I think that it's Ben Affleck trying to do something uh, with a lot more style. Which even that, like you know, go for it, try it out. Um, yeah. And by in my style, I mean like 
he has a very clear style in his other three. However, they feel a lot more like raw and gritty. In Live By Night, it looks like he's trying to polish that off a lot more. Which, you know, yeah. you know, if you're trying to do, if you're trying to do something, I, you know, try. That's all I guess I have to say. My only real context for Live By Night is that Ben Affleck got mad at the studio because of the way it was released. He thought that like, because it wasn't a superhero film or an Oscar film, that they just dumped it on the calendar and didn't promote it. And he got mad at them for that. And he said there was like, there needs to be room for other films in Hollywood. And I was like, well, I don't disagree with that sentence. I'm sorry, Ben. I'm sorry they did your movie dirty. I, it's also a film, because oh, I looked at the Wikipedia, that it was made a few years before, I believe, and it kind of sat on a shelf and they kept yes. place it. And I think yeah. that also is part of it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm sorry, Ben Affleck. Like, it, it got dumped in January. It's not... No. I don't think when you think of a January film, it's not a January like film. Like it doesn't, it's not Doolittle starring Robert Downey Jr. Thank goodness. Have I, have you seen my Doolittle hot take? No. Do you, don't, Josh, Josh, Josh. <laughs> um, I don't like Doolittle. Uh huh. But Doolittle is better than Sonic the Hedgehog. What? I, I'm sorry, I had more fun with Doolittle than I did with Sonic. Downey Jr.'s ridiculous accent and the way he's just like having fun with these ridiculous CG animals, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll watch it again before I watch Sonic. Kylie, Kylie, are you there? Are, are you there? I can't, I can't do this podcast anymore. Well, ducks watch together slowly turns into <laughs> ducks hunt each other down. <laughs> no, sorry, Kylie. <laughs> As we transition into our next film. Uh, Kylie's like, yeah, I think I'm, I'm thinking, thinking I'm back. <laughs> All right, Kylie. Well, let's jump into our final comeback film, our most recent film we're going to talk about, which is 2014's John Wick. Yeah. Hey. Hey, everyone. I'm going to talk to you about a human being who uh, is the most important person in this entire world, and <laughs> that's a man named Keanu Reeves. Alfie Allen. Oh, wait. Sorry. Uh, this is not a comeback for Alfie Allen. It's just a slight continuation of his career. <laughs> believe he's already on Game of Thrones and this might actually look yeah. in the end of his career. I don't really know what Alfie Allen is up to. Yeah, that seems about right. <laughs> um, so, I mean, like we, we've actually done an entire episode on Keanu Reeves, the person before. Um, we talked briefly, I don't, uh, we talked briefly about John Wick just in terms of his performance. Um, however, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't do this episode if we weren't going to talk about it. So I don't really care about the rules. Um, unless I'm in the Continental, I care about those rules. John Wick doesn't. Yeah. Spoiler. Anyways. Spoiler for the third one, maybe? Second one. Okay. 
Yeah, the second, he breaks the rules in the second one, which is why the third one happens. Oh, okay. Come on, Josh. Okay, anyways. Sorry. Um, so, I mean, like, we know the story of Keanu Reeves. You know, he he has pretty good, he has success in the 90s um, with films like Point, Point Break and Speed. Um, and then he eventually has The Matrix. And after The Matrix um his oh and like i mean like he had the bill and ted's and like those things i almost forgot those um and really it feels like after um the matrix he kind of almost begins to become a parody of himself in the early 2000s and in the early 2010s and i think that a lot of audiences are, and I especially think that after like the second and third Matrix, which left a lot of audiences uh, uh, let down, I think that the persona, maybe not the persona of Keanu Reeves, but like the acting talents in the movies of Keanu Reeves just didn't really hit the mark very well. Um, and he isn't, he does not give the strongest performance all the time. Um, which I will, I will totally agree with. Um, but I think that there was just a, a large swath of movies that uh, just weren't really all that good. Even some of his more successful movies, um, things like Constantine, which made a lot of money. Like it wasn't, they, they, it's not a beheld loved movie. Um, you know, he has things like The Day the Earth Stood Still and The Lake House and they're just, they're really just not the that great of films. Um, and I think that one of the final real nail, it felt like one of the final real nails in his coffin was 47 Ronin. I remember when that came out, um, it kind of felt like, okay, the Keanu Reeves run is is really like we're at we're we're done. And I was very sad as a human. Um, because even though I mean, like, even though I didn't love a lot of the movies in the early 2000s, I did really like Keanu Reeves as an actor. Um, now John Wick comes out, and I don't, I don't know if this movie had any marketing because I didn't, I hadn't heard of it until opening night. So I was in college uh, when John Wick came out, and it was a weekend where I'm pretty sure my dad was in another, um, was in another country. And so I actually had access to my parents' car while I was in college. And so I was able to drive to the movie theater. Um, so if I wanted to see movies, it usually had to be like Saturday during the afternoon so that there was a bus back. But I was like, Friday night, I'm gonna go see this movie. Keanu Reeves is in it. I don't know what it's about. And it kind of felt like this huge surprise uh, for Keanu Reeves's career. Like it, like it came out of nowhere. I didn't think like, oh, you know, this is gonna be the film that like is gonna make Keanu Reeves the internet's boyfriend, but it did apparently, because now we're all like, oh, Keanu Reeves, we love you again. You could be in Toy Story 4, we're so happy. Um, <laughs> Which, like, John, it, this film does not feel like it's going to be the film that's going to bring him, like, like, bring him to all our good graces. 
but like for some somehow some way this little film that I don't think had any <laughs> like any buzz about it just like came through like a juggernaut yeah and it actually this film actually isn't that like isn't a huge hit however I think like I think that word begins to get around that like, oh yeah, John Wick's a good, it, like a good action film. It almost feels like those movies where it's like, oh, um, it didn't make it big until it played on cable, which like, I don't mean that to as much of an extent, but like it was after John Wick's theatrical run, mm -hmm. it kind of felt like the more talk was happening about it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see this movie until it was on uh, blue, DVD and Blu-ray, um, which I think, like you said, is where it grows. I think it's, it has that cult status. It had a good theatrical run for the size of movie that it was, mm -hmm. but it didn't, like you said, it didn't like break the bank. It didn't, you know, it wasn't like this huge hit, but like it had really good word of mouth, even to the point where, um, so that I had, the reason I watched it is because like, oh, Keanu has good word of mouth. I had been off Keanu for a while because like I didn't love a lot of the action choices he was making. I wasn't a fan of the lake house phase. Like I'm not like, it was just like this rough era. And so it's like, Oh, I like Keanu. I'll give this a shot eventually. And I remember texting you that evening and being like very early in the movie. And I'd be like, if this dog dies, I'm shutting this movie off. And I don't know what I said. I do remember you sent me that text, but I think it's one of those things where you look at the text and you're kind of like, what do I say back? <laughs> and I shut the movie off because like I was very, very into like this character and this, this dog. And then I eventually came back to it in a couple hours and loved the movie. Like it is, it is one of those surprise hits that you're just so glad that you were able to be surprised by um and I think that and and to add on to that or to to context that a little bit not necessarily surprise of the plot but surprise of like how good it is and how well made it is and how fun it is um I think that John Wick becomes this movie that not only brings back Keanu Reeves, it brings back fun into action films. Mm -hmm. Because prior to this, we're coming off of the Jason Bourne shaky cam era of action film and I think it just had gotten really self-serious and with the John Wick films we not only bring back fun but we bring back style and choreography and being able to see what's going on and so I think that it's this movie that creatively reinvigorates an entire genre of of, of film and brings back everybody's boyfriend Keanu Reeves because we I don't think anybody wanted Keanu Reeves to have a lull in his career so we were like please something somebody just figure out again how to use Keanu Reeves and I think that really when you look at his 90s work and his Matrix work the first Matrix it is not necessarily people asking him to be big and expressive and emotive it's people understanding that what Keanu Reeves is is he's a physical 
presence who can convey emotion through action. Mm -hmm. And it's not dialogue heavy. Because when you think about the John Wick movies, like, yes, we have the one quote of, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back, which is great and wonderful. But when I think of the John Wick movies outside of that moment, I don't think of the dialogue. I think of the the what's there and the action and the sequences. And I think for most of Keanu's career, outside of his very quotable, whoa, he's he's a physical actor. And it's those things that really shine in his performance. I do want to amend something that you've said, like, yeah, it was like in the middle of your thing. Um, it's bringing fun and choreography and stunt work back into American cinema. Great, um, yeah, yeah. Because like, I, the, I, that's something um, in a lot of international films. I mean, this is also right around the raid and mm -hmm. the raid, uh, it, it's around the raid too, I believe. And and those also have a lot of stunt work. And I mean, like Ip Man is around. And, and so a lot of more international films are still carrying that. Correct. It, but in an American film, this is something that is, um, that it, it had been lost. And we, we also, um, you brought up the Jason Bourne. I think that even also, I'm this genre almost feels like a genre of its own, but it does yep. in the action. It's, it's superhero films have also come and superhero mm -hmm. films change what action is. And a lot of times with action, you can get a, with superhero films, there's a lot of heavy CGI. And that's where a lot of more of the fighting comes there. And I don't have an issue with utilizing CGI with action scenes. I know that they use it a lot of times. Um, to make things safer, which I'm always a fan of, but there is something much more tactile. If you are able to do work and have the actual actor be a part of it and everyone is safe and everyone's comfortable with um, the action taking place, there's just something so much more um, fulfilling in that. And another film that comes out that a lot more people have, that people like um, love and say revolutionized action is Taken, which comes out a few years before this. However, Taken, Liam Neeson can't do a lot of the things that he is, that that character's doing. So they have like 13 cuts for him to jump over a fence. But right. I, I think that, that John Wick, um, this film really utilizes what uh, Keanu Reeves can do. And Chad Stahelski, who is the director of the, who is one of the directors of this film. I know that the other guy, <laughs> the, the other atomic guy, blonde guy. The what? It's the atomic blonde guy. Atomic blonde, yep. He's also, he it's, also did Hobbs and Shaw. And it's that. Leach, is his last name Leach? David Leach. Maybe. Yeah, I think that's right. Um. Uh, well, Chad, I'm going I'm to mostly just talk about Chad Stahelski because I understand his career. Chad Stahelski was Keanu's um, stunt double on a lot of his films. Like he's a stunt double in um, The Replacements and in The Matrix. And he has, he's worked on a lot of Keanu Reeves films. I actually looked at this guy's work um, 
a few years ago and they had collaborated several times. And so I just think that this was the correct pair um, for the two of them. Cause I think that Chad Stahelski understood exactly how to use Keanu cause he had worked with him for so long and it is very clear in these movies. Now, um, I, I think that, I think that this film is much more contained uh, and it has a much more satisfying ending than any of the other John Wick films do. Um, and I think that's because the other two are trying to like continue a story and John Wick, mm-hmm. the first one is just like, we can have an ending. Um, it almost feels kind of quaint in that way. Like it's weird to look at this film and and like in the light of the other two because John Wick singular the first one um feels so small like the fight sequences are very contained the the story is contained like and I don't mean this in a bad way because I actually still think that John Wick is my favorite of the trilogy the first one is my favorite of the trilogy still um but I think that it's just I think that distills everything that's really good about this movie into its to all the technicals we've been talking about but also the storytelling is linear and clear you have a clear action in every single one of these scenes that leads to this the super objective that this character has which is get revenge for the for his dog and that is every step leads you there and it's so clean and crisp and simple that there's just it's it's pure like and that's I think the fun of revisiting the first John Wick film and like there's a lot of there's a lot of people in this film and a lot of um there's just a lot of pieces of this film where it honestly feels like Keanu and Chad calling their friends to help them out make this film yeah like the music i'm pretty sure is done i want to i want to be composer it's tyler bates who tyler bates is um a former guitarist of marilyn manson and keanu dated marilyn manson's daughter so like and marilyn manson has a song in this marilyn manson kind of a trash human i won't get into that but like it like it feels like oh you know we're gonna help keanu reeves out because he's a nice guy we have um randall kim who comes back and he plays the continental doctor he has one scene but like he was in the matrix trilogies and it just kind of feels like there are all these people willing to just like (laughs) come and help out well and then yes you've got that too but you've also got like john leguizamo in a one scene part you've got ian mcshane kind of sitting around and doing some things here or there and (laughs) yeah what the foe Yes, Defoe is here for a little bit. Like you've got these just like people that clearly have been in and around these two that just want to be there and help them out as well. And I think that that helps with one of the things that I love about this is the world building. While we talk about that, or I talked about that like it was clean and simple, there is this whole world that is set up so beautifully in this of just this idea that like, what if our world, but also classy hitmen? Like, and I just, I think it's so it's so ingenious and it's I think it's got this level of silly remove classy hitman because otherwise 
the action sequences would be very real and very kind of like you already do get a little squeamish at times when watching them but I think that it's that that remove that helps you kind of get through some of those elements yeah and I it it, I like that everyone seemingly knows who John Wick is and just is okay with like they're pretty like oh hey good to see you again John Except for this dumb kid who makes the worst mistake of his life. Well, yeah, Vigo's son. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> well, I like when I like when John Leguizamo beats up Alfie Allen. He gets a he gets a call from Vigo, and he's like, yep. "Well, your son <laughs> stole John Wick's car and uh, killed his dog. I'm Luigi Mario." And then Vigo's <laughs> like, "Oh no, thank you," and hangs up. Yeah. Okay, I think my favorite one of those interactions, though, is just, is with the, like, beat cop that comes to his door. And he's like, yeah, he's like, are you working again, John? Yep, working again. And I'm like, He says cool. he's working some things out. Oh, yes, yeah, absolutely. And then yeah. Patrick Kelly says, good to see you, and then he leaves. <laughs> yeah, it's just, there's a lot of fun to it. And I... To, to kind of tie back into the conversation of why this movie, I think, really helped break Keanu Reeves out again. And I think it's just because we were reminded of all of the things that we loved about him as an actor within this piece and this franchise. So much so that like, yes, the next projects that Keanu gets, like there is some new stuff in there, but there's also like, Bill and Ted 3 and we're getting a Matrix 4 and like in Always Be My Maybe he's cameoing as himself you know and so like you get all these things where we just want to be reminded of this cool person who we liked and I think that that's part of the resurgence and also what's helpful is is like that picture of Keanu Reeves where he's got these two young girls that are clearly fans of his or whatever. And like, you just see like that his arms are around them, but his hands are not touching them. Like he's giving them that, that perfect, like respectful, consentful space. And it's just, that is every single thing that we love about Keanu Reeves is he is this genuinely good person who has experienced such tragedy in his life that we just I think as a society really want Keanu Reeves to just have the best things possible Mm -hmm. yeah I mean like Keanu is like he went like he went through a a a phase where he was just a meme like it was just Mm -hmm. memes and there there's the one of like the it's the there's sad Keanu but then there's all where he's sitting on the bench like maybe feeding pigeons I don't really know and then there's the conspiracy theory one we're like what if but like I mean like to some like he he's almost become cool again like we put him in a Toy Story movie (laughs) yeah we did we loved him in it too he's gonna be he's like in the Spongebob movie which like Spongebob is our our, (laughs) SpongeBob's the most memed thing in all of history of like society. Is like he plays sage, and that's all that matters. Because he's a wise sage. Yes, absolutely. I think yeah, and and I mean I, it's gonna be interesting. 
it's going to be interesting to see what his career becomes um, after. So I think they have slated five John Wicks. And so, okay. um, so we have- The fourth one comes out this, or is supposed to come out this year. Okay. It might, I think it, I, I think it might have been moved to 2022. That might be true just because of pandemic things. That might be true. Yeah. Um, but it, it's going to be interesting to see where his career goes after that, because it kind of feels like there's a finality to Bill, Bill and Ted three, um, to, or at least some sort of finality. Um, there's at least a passing of the torch yeah. that if they wanted to, you know, if they wanted to do more Bill and Ted, that you wouldn't have to center Bill and Ted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, and I, I don't, I don't know what the fourth matrix will have in store for all of us. Um, I don't think I have a real good gauge of it either, but I, for the Wachowskis and Keanu to come back and to be, I think they're both in, I'm going to say maybe the words more comfortable positions in their lives, because when the Matrix sequels were going on was I think when both of the, or all three of those people were really struggling with a lot of things in their lives. I think it could be good to let them come back to that property and in a, in a, in being in healthier positions and seeing where it goes from there. Heck, if the fourth one's great, I mean, I would imagine Warner Brothers would want more of them. So, yeah. I think that also another a piece of that is that the, sec- the two Matrix sequels, they come out, they're made at the same time as each other. And I wonder if giving breathing room and letting the stories develop will also help it. Because I mean, yeah. that's one of the reasons why the first Matrix is successful is that it, I imagine that the Wachowskis took time to create this and build that world. And then the second and third one, it they might've been rushed with it. I yeah. Think- I do know that it's only Lana coming back for the Matrix Res- Resurrections. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> she's the only one direct. She's the only one slated for direction. Um, and, and, and I only. I'm just looking at Letterbox the crew list, and I only see Lana on here. But I, that doesn't mean that. Um, that doesn't mean it's only Lana. Right. Um, did both Wachowski siblings work on um, Sense Eight together? That's a good question. Yeah, because I know that that I know that project for um, them was really like something that brought that could that could be considered their comeback project because I know there was a lot of goodwill and love towards that show as well. Uh, yeah, it um, directed by Lana and Lily, so they're both oh. there. Um, yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in Matrix 4. I mean, I think out of all the, like, reboot things that are left, it's probably one of the ones that I'm most interested in. What? Not Bill and Ted Face the Music? Uh, I love Bill and Ted Face the Music. It's probably far too high on my 2020 list. It's like number, I watched it last night. It's like number five on mine. Yeah, like, it's great. I had a wonderful time with that movie. I think that it just it, it's it's number five on mine as well. I also watched Color Out of Space. Well, I mean, my tw- your 2020 list is probably a much better reflection of 2020 as a whole. My 2020 list is that I watched a lot of bad movies. Uh. <laughs> it was hard. 2020 was hard to stay up with what was 
current in movies because like everything was so like when I'm not able to go to the theaters like I have my like my budget set aside so I can go to the theater and I pay the pass there but like when everything became like 20 to 30 dollars a rental I had to make more choices and so I'm like I want to just pay my money again to go back to the movies I'm gonna read you my top 10 of 2020 it's a ooh okay number 10 Zappa a documentary I didn't care for that much. <laughs> great number nine the way back sorry ben affleck <laughs> ahead of a documentary you didn't care for that much that's an important step yeah I, the documentary is good however it didn't it, i'm sorry alex you did a good job i'm proud of you i wish you had made it a little more more zappa-ish anyway uh a baby teeth a film that I don't know if anyone's heard of. Uh, the Lodge, mm-hmm. a film that I don't recommend to people because I think most people are not going to like it. Uh-huh. Color Out of Space, that's the Nicolas Cage 2020 film. Uh, okay. Of it, 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 That one I won't recommend to most people unless they liked really liked Annihilation. That's very much an Annihilation-esque kind of film. Number okay. five, Bill and Ted face the music number four the invisible man 2020 uh (laughs) never rarely sometimes always feels good man and Mm -hmm. for nice that's a good 10 there you go um have you seen the willoughby's i did watch the willoughby's it was charming like that that was one where i was kind of like josh might like this but i i kind of thought that because you like it feels like Roald Dahl-esque and it's kind of Roald Dahl-y. I think Onward's yeah. low on my list. I think Onward might be number 10. I have the Willoughby's right next to the Way Back. They're just, they're sitting there together as, as like friends. Um, I actually think 2020 on the whole became a pretty okay year for film. Like, I don't think that it's like wondrous but I think the movies that did get released were really solid. Um, like I actually really like my my top ten uh, of the year as well, um, which is just quickly is Birds of Prey, which I'm shot every time I watch that movie I like it more. So Birds of Prey is there, uh, Defy Bloods, Wolf Walkers, which like listen if y'all like the other cartoon saloon films of like um, Secret of Kells and uh, something else Irish that I can't remember what Song of the Sea um wolf walkers right up your alley it's great 10 out of 10 uh one night in miami the vast of night which is this cool twilight zone sci-fi-esque uh movie that's really well done um never rarely sometimes always ma rain is black bottom no my land minari minari beautiful film it's i it, i'm like really hoping for oscars and then first cow because man that cow it's a good cow mm-hmm how many movies did you i only saw 33 movies this year i am at 81 so like this was like a like usually we're in like the 120s so like yeah um yeah yeah, like there there came a point where i literally just i you know i came i came to an under a, a realization in about june that i i don't care about 2020 and that i was gonna see the movies i wanted to see um rather than necessarily this then feeling like i had to see everything i was like now nah, i'm only gonna see the ones i want to see 
very fair. Um, I think Except that is. Except for I saw I, it in the middle and uh, Artemis Fowl. Yes. Yeah. Um, I will say that I think that's why my list has very little horror on it this year because there was a lot of horror that was released this year that I just didn't want to engage with or watch. Really? Uh, there was a lot of horror this what 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 do we got? <laughs> what, there's some the- movie there's some movie called like Host, which was made in the pandemic, which everybody really liked. There's some like Ethan Hawk in a house movie. Uh there's should've something never, you should have you should have left. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something called His House on Netflix that people really liked. Um, maybe there's just three, but three was a lot in my brain. <laughs> um, I will say this, Kylie. I think the movie, the 2020 movie that I've seen the most that I feel like, or that I've seen that would maybe is like, I think Kylie would really enjoy this is Sound of Metal. I think you'll really enjoy it. So if you can go watch that or get a hold of that, it is streaming on Prime if you if anybody has Prime, but Sound of Metal I think is is a good one. That's that I, I have you know I've seen only the poster. <laughs> However, I am like oh that's my film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like yeah, Rizal um, Med is fantastic as well. I, there's there's one more that I need to see and it's it's another round. Oh, also a good movie that I think you'd enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Dire- I like that director, and I love Mad Mik- Mads Mikkelsen. <sighs> okay, well, what? Oh, I was gonna see see if you had any more things on John Wick and Keanu. I think I'm pretty much good there. But if you had any final thoughts, we can get to final thoughts. I just think it's the greatest movie of all time, and that we should. <laughs> I think that we should celebrate Keanu every day. I think that we need a national Keanu Day. And we should uh, celebrate that he is a nice person. All right. Here is my new silly segment that I'm introducing to the podcast. Where we rank our four films. Number four, The Town. (laughs) Based on a silly criteria. And this one is based on the comeback. So whichever one we think is the bet does the best job of creating the comeback for the actor in question so I, i'm so which movie does the best job of making the comeback for that for the actor yes i <laughs> um probably zodiac okay number one number one zodiac well i uh, i would go with that just because i think that I think that I I'm going for more of I I think that getting Iron Man is literal was like was probably one of the greatest things that probably could have ever happened for Robert Downey Jr. Right? I would agree, and I yeah. think that getting that role like I I don't just want to say financially, but financially it's probably the comeback that has probably made the most money. It's probably um the comeback that is most known within society with even if even if they didn't know the past of Robert Downey Jr like people now have an idea of who Robert Downey Jr is like people of all ages because like Marvel was like this juggernaut and he was like the face of that juggernaut and so like yeah. I, I gotta go with that one I will agree with you my proposal for two is John Wick 
um, because I think Keanu, the Keanuissance was real big for a second and is still happening. And I think that now that we have Keanu Reeves in our lives again, I don't think we're ever going to let him go. I think that we're just going to all, Keanu's going to have a wonderful back half of his career with all of us loving him all together. Number three, Ben Affleck. Okay. Because I don't know this other lady. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's fair. I was going to give you like, my only argument for Marlena Dietrich is... She did um, something good she, with her career. She like, did she something good with her career. That's it. That was it. I was like, she did something good with her career. And that was very nice. However, I don't just think she's as well known as Ben Affleck. But my argument against Ben Affleck is I don't think his comeback is sustainable. I think Ben Affleck's going to fall off a cliff again. And he's going to have to have another one at some point. Listen, it's going to happen. We're going to fix up that old car, Josh. <laughs> you could buy a new car? Oh, man. What a, what a concept. <laughs> All right. But yes, I will give you Ben Affleck at three and, and with the town and Destry Rides again at four. That is fair. My, do we rank them based on like what we think are the best movies? I'm going to do that. Number four, The Town. Okay, <laughs> great. Destry Rides Again. Number two, Zodiac. Number one, John Wick. Uh, uh, the only thing we flop is the top two. Otherwise, we agree. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. <laughs> Excellent. All right, friends. Well, if you want to join this conversation, and hopefully you do, uh, you can do so at friendofafriendpodcast.squarespace.com. Next time, do we do we tell them what we're gonna do next? Ooh, time? yes. Next time, Kylie, go for it. Ooh, I don't think we made a final decision on the on what we were like a final like detailed decision, but we're gonna. Well, be- we didn't pick the movies, but we have the category. Okay, we're gonna do modern black and white films, which means from. Which means movies starting in. I'm going to say. Okay, here's what I'm going to say. So the argument is you could do it in the 70s, which is where black and white fades away as a predominant medium. And all of those would be using black and white in a similar way. However, I'm going to say post 2000. So we don't have to talk about Schindler's List because I don't want to cry next month. But will I ever get to chew, talk about Raging Bull? No, okay, then fine. We should do from the 70s forward. No, no, no let's, 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 do, let's do the 2000s. I think, that that, okay. I think that that is a far more interesting list because otherwise I think we're going to be talking about Raging Bull, Schindler's List, and then other films that feel important that we have to talk about. And okay, great. Schindler's List is a, a wonderful movie. We've also talked about it when we talked about Spielberg. So, yeah, um, yeah. Okay, great. Perfect. Awesome. Which is going to be films from the year 2000 forward that are made in black and white. Sorry, clerks. All right, everybody. I've been Josh. I've been Kylie. Quack, 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 quack. quack. Um, I don't know why Anne and Sylvana didn't want me to be happy. Like, I I asked the group chat twice to pick the movie to see, and you picked (laughs) Bill and Ted twice, and they picked the same thing both times and I guess they just didn't want me to feel joy and happiness I 
that I've been they trying give... to get you to watch Bill and Ted. I was like, I think Bill and Ted's what you need right now. It's what we all need. And so they're like, hey, watch this movie where people don't <laughs> talk like actual people and sound like a script. And I was like, okay. What, I will. What, what, what do you mean? These two great Boston bros wrote a script and won an Oscar. That's fine. Yes, they wrote a <laughs> screenwriting Oscar. And I agree, they wrote a screenplay. That is exactly how that dialogue has been written. It is a screenplay. It is not anything else. 